The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm glad you're here. Happy Labor Day weekend. You have a day off tomorrow, right? <laughs> I think in the second service there were some people like, oh yeah! Hey, those are highlighted on my calendar. So anyway, one of the things Ryan was saying was uh, the Kids Beach Club. And uh, we started that uh, a year and a half ago. This will be our third semester. And there's been quite a few kids' lives changed as a result of that. And Northbrook is a school that we, we hold very close to our heart. And uh, Jana was in our, our second service, and she's a teacher at Northbrook. They have 80 kids signed up this semester, which is incredible. I, yeah, man. Um, so along those lines, we need your help. Um, so if you, actually, if you're free on Wednesday afternoons after school, uh, we do need your help. Uh, I go, and uh, what, what I hear and what I engage with when I'm there is, shh, shh, hey, pay attention. And that's them talking to me, actually. They're like, Matt, we're trying to do this Kids Beach Club. No, it's a great time. It's awesome. And so if you want to engage with that. And then uh, uh, also um, just a quick foundations update. Thank you for being faithful with that. Uh, Those of you who are giving in the foundations, I want to encourage you with that. If you don't know what that is, uh, we're actually going to be doing some things this fall to kind of help everybody understand and kind of create an on-ramp, if you will, uh, to get on board with that. Uh, It's for our uh, step to our facility. And uh, this week, I think uh, some of my most favorite optimistic people on the face of the planet, excuse me, our construction guys. That was like, They'll do anything you want. It's awesome. I was like, so we want to be in by Easter 14. Is that doable? Oh, yeah, that's fine. No problem. It's like, what about Christmas? Oh, yeah. Here's what I've determined. The, the timeline in the construction world is simply two weeks. I mean, it's just incredible. It's like, you give me enough money, enough guys, two weeks, man, I'll have it done. All right then, cowboy, let's go. Giddy up. So anyway, we are still shooting for Easter 14. Uh, We're working through some things and we're trying to get uh, all that done. So just pray for me because uh, this is one of those rare moments in the history of of the creek that, um, man, I'm really reconciling and wrestling with some things because I sit in meetings and we're talking numbers and, and figures and science and progress and all this stuff. But I just, I sit there and I think, I'm like, man, I just wish I could be focusing more on the church business than this. But God reminds me that's part of it. So be praying for me that I'll, I'll give that all of my diligence because, man, it's just it's, it's hard for me to stay focused in some of those meetings. And I've got great leaders and team members around me that, that are listening to things that I kind of I need to be listening to. So just pray for me that I can, I can stay up to speed on all that. So let's get into Acts chapter 16. If you've got a Bible, uh, meet me there. If you don't have one, there's one on the ends of the rows. If you have a smart device or smartphone, then you can download a free app called Uversion. It's a Bible software app, and it is free in the App Store or whatever your version of App Store you use for whatever phone you use. And um, you can go through it that way. The fill-ins are also there. If you search for the live events, um, we put those in. And Trinity and I were actually laughing earlier about the fill-ins. I was like, I like it to be a surprise. And then I remembered, hey, on the U version, it's there. So if you do the U version, you already see the blanks filled in. So it doesn't mean you can go to sleep, okay? Because we, we, we will find you. Anyway, we're going to look at Paul and Silas today, and, and we're going to see them worship in a situation uh, that typically you wouldn't associate 
with worship. And I, I hope to come out of today's teaching and time in, in Scripture uh, understanding more about what worship is. It's a core value for us here at the Creek, and I, I think it's important for us to kind of come back and revisit this. Uh, it, it, it falls in line in our journey through Acts, and I think it's important to understand really what worship is, why we do it, and what, it, what purpose it serves. And so Paul and Silas go on a, this missionary journey. This is actually their second missionary journey. Remember, Paul and Barnabas went. They start preaching the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Lives are changed as a result of this first missionary journey. Um, they experience persecution. It's not, it's, I mean, this isn't a carnival cruise line vacation for these guys. They're almost stoned. Paul is stoned, almost killed. There's just you know, the way the pattern of the first trip went was, hey, they go into a city, it goes well for a while, people's lives get changed, and then they get run out of the city. Well, they go back to Jerusalem to settle a little bit of a church dispute about legalism and protecting and preserving the gospel, and then they go back out on a missionary journey. So this is the second missionary journey for Paul, and they're going back to revisit churches and encourage them. And last week we saw that Paul wanted to go into Asia, and God restrained him. The Holy Spirit restrained him from going into Asia. And through a vision, God speaks to Paul and says, I want you to go to Macedonia. They end up in Philippi. And so this is where we pick up today. The important thing to understand is uh, the, the, the Christianity started in Jerusalem. Jesus said in Acts 1, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The thing about this, this faith in Christ, this Christianity, is it starts somewhere, it starts in Jerusalem and has to go somewhere. Our faith has to start somewhere. And then our faith has to go somewhere. If we, if we just um, say we believe there's not really much of a transformation, and our faith doesn't grow. For us, to engage in the gospel mission of God means our faith starts somewhere. It might be a room like this. I mean, over the last three weeks, every service or every weekend, we have had someone start faith well, in our services in this room. So this room might be that place where your faith starts, but it has to go beyond this room. It has to start moving in, into life. And today we're going to kind of see some jailhouse worship. And uh, the whole song, Elvis was stuck in my head my whole study time, you know. And I got busted in the first service because of that. Not because of Elvis, but because the song I started singing was not jailhouse rock. It was Heartbreak Hotel. So either way, one of those two songs is going to be stuck in your head the rest of the afternoon. So tomorrow you're going to be on vacation, standing by the grill, having your cookout going, well, since my baby left me, or, you know, we're dancing to the jailhouse rock. Either way, there be, you're welcome. There you go. There could be worse songs to get stuck in your head for, for this Labor Day weekend. Trust me. Um, so <laughs> jailhouse worship. But we have to understand something, that, that, that worship is, it starts to move out. Our faith, just as Christianity moves out, our faith moves out, worship moves out. Um, worship is an interesting thing because we tend, to, we tend to, to withhold it from God when we don't get what we want. I don't know if you remember, if you had toddlers, or if maybe you're in that stage and I'm praying for you. Um, <laughs> I made it through it. You can too. But when your kids would be like, they don't get what they want, so they're going to respond with, I'm never speaking to you again. 
I really liked those times in my house, you know, because it was like, okay, first of all, I know that's not true, and we're going to at least have a few seconds of quiet, you know, it's into, and they, they're, they're not going to speak to you until they want something. We do that with God. We're like, God, I'm, just, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm withholding because I don't get what I want. I mean, that, we're told we have to have childlike faith. That really becomes childish faith, that we pout with God and we say, well, I'm not going to communicate with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not going to do anything because I don't like how you've been working in my life. Um, and then some of us, uh, we, we find it very easy to worship God because we're in a good spot. I mean, well, things are good, you know, and so, you know, it, we have our health, you know, we've got jobs, we've got all this. And so some find it easy to worship because life is in a good place. Some in our church community are in difficult transitions or difficult situations. Can I tell you, it should be just as easy to worship in that situation because worship is not about us. You know, I, I was reading this week and Karl Marx made a comment that religion is the opiate of the masses. Where the, the, the idea was that this belief in God or this faith becomes a crutch when life is difficult. So we, we kind of use religion to kind of numb what's going on around us. And I started thinking about that, and, and it, I've known people who have come to, come to faith in Jesus out of the depths of their life, where life is very difficult. But I know, I've known people that their testimony is, man, life was so good, I realized I can't make it that good, <laughs> that there has to be somebody guiding this. And so when, when we th- talk about worship, worship is not the opiate for painful situations. It's refocusing on the goodness and glory of God. So it doesn't mean that we worship to try to kill the pain in our life. We worship because it focuses us on God's goodness and His glory. Because let me, let me just set this foundation up front. If the only thing God ever did for us was send Jesus to the cross to pay for our sins so we could be reconciled through the cross, and he resurrected Jesus on the third day, and and through that, we can have faith. We can have forgiveness. We can have grace. If that's all he ever did, that's more than enough. The goodness and glory of God is where and what we focus our worship on. And so everything else from there is just, it's all the periphery. So as we get into this understanding, we've got to realize that God deserves to be worshipped regardless of the situation in our life. Regardless of the circumstance, He's good. He's good before the diagnosis, He's good in the diagnosis, and He's good through the healing. He's good before the job gets lost. He's good while you're unemployed, and he's good when you're reemployed. We could keep going about all that. God is good through it all, and we've got to recognize that. We want to spend time in worship to refocus us. Think of it this way. Paul and Silas on this journey, they went back to Jerusalem, and then they end up going to Philippi. They went back to Jerusalem to handle some church disputes and things like that. However... They recharged while they were in Jerusalem to get ready for this trip. Think of this room like that. Think of the creek like that. We gather here to be recharged so we can go out. We refocus ourselves on the goodness and glory of God, then we go out. 
our faith has to go somewhere. We're called to worship God wherever we are. God deserves to be worshiped wherever we are. If all of our worship time is spent in this room or our kids and Cree kids, if that's the extent of their worship, it's an unhealthy life. In here, we get refocused and recentered on the goodness and glory of God. So that affects our attitude and environment of worship in our home. That affects our attitude and environment of worship in our workplace. That will even affect our environment and attitude of worship when we go shopping. I know. That's difficult, isn't it? Actually, it will refocus us to worship the right thing. Some of us worship the things we're going to go try to buy. But think about it. If, my, if, I, if I'm worshiping everywhere I am, then what I'm doing is in everywhere I go, I'm trying to live focused on the goodness and glory of God. And that can, I mean, when I go to Target, man, when I'm focused on the goodness and glory of God, man, that, that might change my interaction with the people that I run into in the store. That might change my interaction with the people in the parking lot. Think about it. Even in traffic, we're called to worship. And I've spent a lot of time in worship this week. So we're called to worship wherever we are. Let's, let's, let's get into this. Um, verse uh, 16 Chapter 16, verse 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Okay, in Philippi, they're on this missionary journey. They wanted to go to Asia. God said no. Vision comes to Paul. God he, or Paul hears from God. We spoke last week about God does speak to us, and He speaks through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. And so now we've got this situation where Paul and Silas find themselves in Philippi, as we saw last week, so that Lydia's life could be changed. What we're going to see now is God is reaching out to a demon-possessed slave girl. See, we, we think, we like to think that God just only focuses His love and gospel on certain people. No, it's for everybody. God loves even the people you don't love. And God is getting ready to do something incredible. He is sacrificing the comfort of Paul and Silas, not just to reach Lydia, but he's going to sacrifice the comfort of Paul and Silas to reach a demon-possessed slave girl. And the demon that she's possessed with, uh, and when you study Scripture, the demon has a name called Numa Python, spirit of the python. It comes from a legend from Apollo when he went to the Oracle of Delphi, there was a snake there, a giant python. He kills the snake, um, and there's a woman placed there. If you pay her, she will tell you the future. Okay, if anybody ever asks you for money to be able to tell you what's getting ready to happen, let me just go ahead and save you the 20 bucks. Don't do it. I can, man, I'm not, I can't predict anything, but I can tell you this your wallet's going to lose some weight. And you probably won't be any wiser. But just as much as God speaks to us, he spoke to Paul through a vision. There's an, God will speak to us. We worship a holy God. There is a Holy Spirit that will speak to us. We have to recognize this. There is an unholy spirit. There is an enemy that tries to mock what God is doing genuinely. 
God genuinely speaks to his kids. You've got a, a, a woman who is possessed by a demon, a spirit that is mocking what God does genuinely. And, and, and let me tell you something. I mean, we, we like to recognize the Holy Spirit and all that and what good, what good God does in our life, but we have to recognize that there's also a, an enemy that seeks to steal from us, to kill and destroy all the work that God is doing in our life. So we've got to get to a point to, okay, so, okay, there's all, now there's, because last week was easy. The Holy Spirit speaks. Okay, now you're telling me that there's different voices? Absolutely. And here, I just can't, t- I can't tell you how to figure it out. I'll just tell you what I've realized in my life. A lot of times there's all these voices screaming about things to do. And I have to get those away because God's whispering. Stop paying attention to the enemy when he's yelling at you and tune in and listen to God when he's whispering to you. So God speaks to us, but God is, deserves to be worshipped everywhere. So what happens is they come upon this, this woman because God sent them not just for Lydia, but for this woman as well. So this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. So here's what's going on. The the enemy recognizes the goodness and power of God because she's saying, These men are servants of God and they're telling you how to be saved. And finally, it annoyed Paul so much. One translation says it not troubled. annoyed him so much, he turned around and cast out the demon. Let me tell you what can happen. See, the enemy can be very complimentary of you for a while. Like these men are servants of God. Well, yeah, it's nice that somebody recognizes that. These men are telling you how to be saved. Now, here's the danger in that. If they didn't do something, then the people of the town may start, Philippi might start worshiping Paul and Silas. And they had to shut it down so that the worship is focused where worship is due. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. But all of a sudden, Paul says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave her. And at that moment, he left. This thing in the name of Jesus is, is it's not just a tagline that, that we say at the end of a prayer to bless our food. When we say something in the name of Jesus, we are acting and speaking on the authority of God. And let me tell you something, if you're going to invoke the authority of someone, you need to know the person that you are invoking the authority of. I mean, we see a story later in Scripture where where, uh, a demon, they try to cast out a demon, and they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, and the demon's like, I know Paul, and I know Jesus, but I don't know you. Now, I'm no expert on fighting, but here's how it goes down. The fight ends with the people leaving away naked and bleeding. If you start a fight fully clothed, and by the end of that fight, you are naked and bleeding, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you lost, okay? I just, just taking a hunch there, okay? Know the authority by which you are invoking, and don't play with it lightly. But let me do challenge you with this. You need to pray over your family in the name of Jesus, 
the power and authority of God over your kids, over your marriage. And don't just say, God, let my kids have a great day in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, you get in there and you pray for your kids. You pray for protection against the enemy that's trying to, trying to rob from them. You pray for them in the power and the name and authority of Jesus that the enemy will flee from your kid's life so they don't blind your kids into taking on some shackle that's going to continue to rob them of the joy of God in their life. Don't take that lightly. Take it very seriously. Jesus is supreme. There is no other name above him. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. We have now submitted to that power. That power is great. It's tremendous. Verse 19, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace. I think there's a danger. I think there's a possession. I think there's a miracle that this woman was freed from the demon. And I think that's worthy to be praised, but these men don't. I think these men... I think they're possessed by something much stronger than this pneuma python. I think they're possessed by greed and pride. To see this woman who's been oppressed and bound and tormented by the enemy, to see her free, the response, when they realized their money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And yet you would think the city that sees someone oppressed going, wait, 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 just just take a second here, cowboy. Slow down, simmer down now. That woman was possessed and was tormented and she's now free. The city, the people, the town folk don't respond that way. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet into stocks. Okay, that power and authority of God, there had to have been some of that power and authority of God on display for them to beat them, but then lock them in the inner cell and put their feet into stocks. Okay, there, there was some power at work, and there was obviously some power that was recognized that brought fear into the town people, into the people of the city and the magistrates, because they said, we've got to take severe actions to to protect ourselves, and to lock these men away. Now, God deserves to be worshipped wherever we are. And God deserves to be worshipped at all times. So, Paul and Silas are beaten with reeds. Their, sac- their comfort is sacrifice. Now think about it. It's easy to give God the praise. Remember we said last week, the greatest joy in the life of a Christian is when God gets what he wants through our life. It's easy to do that. When you roll into a city, you share the gospel, and someone like Lydia, who's wealthy, who has prominence, accepts and receives the gospel and can help fund some ministry. God sacrificed Paul and Silas's comfort for that. As they're being beaten with reeds, led in, bleeding, 
and wounded to the inner cell of a prison and their feet fastened in, in the stocks and chains bound on their body. They were taking the beating so that this slave girl could respond to the gospel. We like to say, God, I'll sacrifice my comfort when it goes well for us. But as Paul and Silas are realizing with every hit of the reed and every clank of the chain and every time that those chains rub upon the wounds on their flesh, God will sacrifice our comfort so people can respond to the gospel. God loves the slave girl as much as he does Lydia. God loves people that even we have written off. And God deserves to be worshipped at all times. So, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I think they were singing, my chains are gone. We don't have that in the gospel account, but I'm just, I, you know, I just think what an appropriate song. Like, my chains are gone, I've been set free. You know, and the other prisoners, it says, and the other prisoners were listening to them. That means, the, the translation on that isn't just, I'm hearing these dudes sing. They are paying attention. They are intently listening to what's going on. I mean, they're listening to men. Think of, think of solitary confinement. And they're listening to these men Worship and praise God. And as they're listening, I mean, they're not hearing them complain. They're not hearing them say, God, why me? I mean, why, why, do you, why are you putting us through this? All we did was serve you. We submitted our life to you. God, you're not doing what we want. God is deserving to be worshipped at all times. They're not worshipping God in this prison to show approval for God's ability. We don't come into this room to to worship, to show our approval of God's activity in our life. You know, we don't raise our hands when we come in and go, God, I'm I'm just raising my hands in approval for the job you've done. Or I'm clapping God because, man, I just think you've done, you've done my life well this week. You know, I don't know if you've seen the positions of worship, you know, like, you know, I got a question, you know, carrying the TV, the big TV, you know, referee. You can YouTube it. It's a great time. But we don't come in and we take on these postures as our approval for God. We're not, we're not cheering God on because we appreciate what he's done in our life. Worship is this. It's telling God what he is worth to us. Worship gets its name or the root from worth. Worthship. God, I'm telling you how much you're worth. And let me tell you something. If you struggle with value, look at Scripture to understand God telling you how much you're worth to Him. If all God ever did was send Jesus to the cross for us, that's more than enough for us to spend eternity telling him how much he's worth to us. Worship is not pretending that nothing is wrong. This is dangerous. This is getting into the idea that worship is the opiate for the bad situation or the tough situation. 
it's coming in. And, and we all do it. I mean, I'm calling all of us out on this. We walk in the door on a Sunday morning. How you doing? I'm great. You put on that smile, and it takes every ounce of energy within you to grin because you're dying inside. Let me tell you the danger in that, because when we do that, we put on a mask, and then we worship behind a mask, and, and we're really putting on this fake front that, oh, man, God, I'm just nothing's wrong, and we just get lost in this, this emotional gobbledygook. Let me tell you the danger in that. The word hypocrite comes from people who put on a mask. A hypocrite is an actor. When we worship pretending nothing is wrong, we're not being honest to God. When we worship even in honesty, that's allowing God into our situation. And we worship because God is bigger than the trial. And let me say this, too. There are times I don't always feel worship. Like, I just don't feel it. I don't know if I do this. You walk away, you know, you might leave, and once you decide the debate on where you're going to have lunch after service, you start talking about the service. Well, it was a good service. The worship was good. I got goosebumps. So we rate the song set on how good it is because of the goosebumps we get. Or, you know, I know not everybody in the creek likes my jokes. So I, like, you know, Matt's jokes were like a C plus today, so I just wasn't feeling it, you know. Man, you know, the Heartbreak Hotel, cheesy, not feeling it, you know, but man, that, that one song got goosebumps. If we do that based on what we feel, man, we're going to be emotionally wrung out because we're, we're not going to be seeking the presence of God. We're going to seek, be seeking the goosebumps and God to move us emotionally. And we're going to come in and it's going to be, hey, Pastor Ryan, move me. Hey, Pastor Matt, move me. And we end up leaving disappointed because we don't feel it. Let me tell you what needs to be felt. We come in here and we worship because we want God to feel something. There are times I don't feel like worshiping God. I'm tired. This is going on. You know, God, it's not easy to worship. Let me, it, worship is a sacrifice. It's not about us. So for, there are times that, yes, it is absolutely true for me to bring a sacrifice of praise because, God, I'm not feeling it. But you know what? You're worth more than anything in creation. And because of your goodness and your glory, I am bringing my sacrifice, and I'm going to worship you because you are worthy of it. And it's not just saying, well, it's, I can really feel it and easy to worship on the mountaintop, or, man, I, I, I really just, I have no, no other thing to do in the valley but worship. Your life is not mountaintop to mountaintop. It's also not so low that you bore through the mountains and stay in the pit of despair. Most of our lives are in that incline. We experience a mountaintop experience, and then we're in a decline. And we find ourselves in the valley. And you know what? We're going to worship God. It should be just as easy to worship God wherever we are, regardless if we feel it or not. So we worship God everywhere. We worship God at all times. All times means before the difficulty starts and after the difficulty. Before the diagnosis, after the diagnosis. Before the meeting with the boss, after the meeting with the boss. Let's keep going. Verse 20. 
6. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the prison doors flew open and everybody, everybody's chains came off. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Okay, the penalty for a Roman soldier, if the people you are guarding get free, if they escape, you are responsible for the punishment for their crime. So he's like, man, that's a, I'm, a, I'm a dead man anyway. And Paul said, wait, wait, we're all here. Okay, the interesting thing is all of the other prisoners that were in that prison, their chains came off too. Our worship should create an environment for people to come to Jesus. Through our worship, Jesus is made clear and people's lives should be changed as a result of our life living focused on the goodness and glory of God. All of their chains came off. That's huge. I mean, do you realize that there are people around you that, that are shackled in addiction and bondage and the enemy is just toying with their life? And through your worship, their life can be changed? Now, the only thing that can save them is the gospel. I mean, let, let's go on and understand that. But we need, to be, we need to be careful because God will use our worship to change people's lives. You never know who's listening to your life. The soldiers were intently paying attention to Paul and Silas' singing and praying. There are people listening, paying attention to your life. Does your life, okay, let's, let's, let's tie this in. Does your life and the way you live your life, does that create an environment for people to come to Jesus? Let's look at this environment. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, that's the biggest question that we can face. Jesus rephrased it to his disciples in one interaction. He said, who do you say I am? I know what the word on the street is about me, but who do you say I am? Our question, what must we do to be saved? Man, this is such an opportunity here, isn't it? Because Paul and Silas could have easily... You're going to see Paul, and Paul go off at the end of this passage. This would have been a great time for Paul to go off. Let me tell you what you got to do to be saved. First of all, you ask for my forgiveness because you beat me unjustly. When you right the wrong done to me, and then you go out and you take care of the people who really did the wrong, then we'll talk about salvation. When you go clean up your lifestyle, when you stop living a life that I find detestable, then we'll talk about salvation. Does this sound familiar on our culture? I don't have to preach against it. I know we got opinions on all kinds of things. We got opinions on sin. We got opinions on homosexuality. We got opinions on all. You go down the list. But let me tell you something. Our opinions are changed by the answer to the question. Paul says this. Actually, Paul and Silas, I think in unison, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. Okay, so this is an opportunity to clean up this dude's mess. But you're saying, believe in the Lord Jesus. Here's what I think about all the problems in society or the things that we find detestable. Let's get this answer first. 
believe in the Lord Jesus and let everything change from that. Let our opinions change because of our belief in Jesus. Let our behavior change because of our belief in Jesus. Don't try to manage your behavior before you can submit to Jesus. You can't do it. I can't do it. The most righteous things that I could muster are still filthy rags before Christ. That belief in Christ changes everything. That starts to shape the right view. When we have the right view of Jesus, that will shape our opinions and the right views of other things down the line. Are you tracking with that? I mean, man, we we try to put all these things in front of people. I mean, you might be able to win a bunch of arguments about society, but let me tell you what you'll end up with. A lot of energy expended on you trying to prove yourself right and a person who cares nothing about Jesus because of how you've just portrayed him. When we're focused on the goodness and glory of Jesus, lives can be changed. Make sure the people in your life, they know more about what you think about Jesus than what you think about their sin. That starts to change lives. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. This, does, this isn't a free pass. We've all got a praying grandma somewhere in our past. Oh, and when you get in the conversations about, well, are you a Christian? Oh, my grandmother was. Okay, so I'm going to see grandma in heaven. What about you? A mom and dad's faith doesn't automatically save their kids. But let me tell you something. When the dad submits to Christ, the kids, the wives, have someone to follow. It's just, you see it in families all the time. It doesn't guarantee the wife and kids will come to a faith and they answer that question and believe in the Lord Jesus. But it sure sets the environment for people to come to Jesus. Look at what happens. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Okay, so the behavior change in this soldier, this guard, happened after salvation. I mean, just another thing for me to say here. Uh, you can't fix yourself before Jesus gets a hold of you. Lay your brokenness at the foot of the cross and let him, let him make something beautiful of the mess. He's much better at it than we can be. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave and go in peace. Here's where, they, here's where I think... They could have done. And here's where Paul goes off. He's like, ha, 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 simmer down. No, 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 no. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we were Roman citizens, and threw us into prison, and now they want to get rid of us quietly? No, no. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates. When they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison requesting them to leave the city. 
After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and encouraged them, then they left. I think they invoked the card of citizenship to go back to the house to encourage him not to get out of all the other stuff. So God sacrificed the comfort of Paul and Silas to reach Lydia, to reach a demon-possessed slave girl, to reach a jailer. Because God loves the oppressed, and get this, he loves the oppressor. And he calls all of us to faith in him. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Through that worship in a difficult situation, it says that there was a mighty earthquake and chains fell off. Chains fell off of everyone in the prison. I just, I just started thinking about it this week. What would happen if, if a church in Fort Worth worshipped in such a way that they were so focused on the goodness and glory of God that it created an environment for people to come to Jesus. And through that worship, through a life of worship, people's chains in Fort Worth came off. Just what could it look like? Where we're all that focused on the glory and goodness of God for lives to be changed. So my question is this, and we'll, we'll go barbecue. Will you worship him no matter what? And we're all created to worship. We're all worshiping something. Maybe the idol that you've placed for worship is comfort. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's success. Maybe Only you can really define what it is. But maybe today in this environment of worship, God's been speaking to your heart and saying, believe in the Lord Jesus. And maybe, to, maybe today that worship gets focused where it is rightfully due. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the cross. And Lord, we just pray that in this moment that you uh, just refocus us and recenter our lives and And help us to understand that you are worthy. That you are enough. You are enough for Lydia. You are enough for this slave girl who is possessed and oppressed by the enemy. You're enough for the Roman jailer. And you're more than enough for us. I pray that you give us the courage and the strength and not just to be able to tell you, God, we'll worship you no matter what, but to truly live that out in our life. Help us to lead our families well. Help our attitude of worship be what our families need to come to you. Lord, I just pray for those in this room that maybe, maybe, the, the object or the focus of their worship is something else and, and maybe you shook them to the core today in this environment of worship and, and the question is what do I have to do to fix it the fix is to believe in the Lord Jesus so would you give us the faith to say Jesus be the center be the focus 
I believe that through the cross, you made a way for me to be reconciled and your resurrection allows me to have a relationship that is reconciled. Be the Lord of my life. I cast down whatever I've put on the throne. Jesus, take your rightful place as Lord of my life. Help us all to leave this place, to live focused and intentional lives that reflect your goodness and your glory. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We worship you alone. We pray all this in the authority of God, the power of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.